Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight on another episode of The Remnant Call. Listen, if you didn't get a chance to hear last week, I played a um, a powerful montage of warnings from Brother David Wilkerson, and um, folks, it, it rings so true, and, and when I first, I'd heard it years, some years back, but when I heard it again the other night, it just broke me and reminded me of the high calling of God and the warning for this hour, folks. Please go and listen. Uh, There's not a lot of time to waste, and you don't want to get to the end of your life and look back and say, I wish I would have. I wish I could have. I should have. You don't want to do it. You want to be ready and willing to do whatever God asks to do. Tonight, I want you to listen closely because this program is important. I want to share with you. This is an end time message because God is going to display his power in the very last days in such a way that we cannot truly, I think, understand it until we experience it. At the same time, the devil also and his minions are going to display their power in such a way that many shall be deceived, Uh, not the very elect of God, and for those who we keep our minds focused on him, but the world shall be deceived at the signs and wonders that the end enemy is going to do and yet God is still claiming that he will keep us to the very end folks and I'm telling you you can believe it because it's true and it will be the only thing that you can hold on to there is so much deception coming in the hours that we are facing right now I believe that they're going to try to bring us potentially a, a large alien deception uh think maybe one day someone shows up yes we we were we seeded your earth I'm Jesus I'm Muhammad I'm Buddha I'm all these things, folks. I'm not sure exactly every single thing, but you can see that they are setting us up to try to accept something supernatural in these last days. And what I want to share with you tonight is critical, and we need to understand that God has a plan for us. And I want you to hear me closely. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Please empower me to share this message to your honor and glory, I pray, in the powerful name of Yeshua. Amen. There is a lot of deception that is going on right now, and I want you to pay close attention because what I want to speak to tonight deals with the very uh, the very core of the problem, the very, I think, something that's on the very heart of God based on the Word of God, and it's something that you've experienced and I have experienced. And it goes back to, and maybe I can relate it to you best this way. Uh, if you've ever been in school when you were young, I'm sure all of you have, uh, maybe you're a guy or, or a girl, but if you can remember back to that time when you really first fell in love, Do you remember that? Uh, You finally got the courage to ask that boy or that girl, you know, to go out on a date with you or to be your girlfriend. I can remember the old circle yes and no letters, but you remember those on the playground ever in class? You could never give them directly to the girl. You had to pass it to your buddy who would pass it to her friend who would finally pass it to her. And I can remember watching from across, you know, around the corner has uh, this. I remember this one girl, Christina. uh, She was she had my letter up on the wall and she 
was circling yes or no, and I couldn't see and tell what she was doing, and my heart was just absolutely pounding, you know, what what was happening there, and, and just the intensity of that relationship, because you so much wanted to be with that person, and maybe you've experienced that, and you can remember what it was like the first time you were in love with somebody, and that person began to pull their attention away from you and focus on someone else. Maybe it was that guy who looked better than any other of the guys or that girl who outlooked all the other girls, whatever it may have been. That thought when you saw the one who you cared for's eyes begin to wander after another person. Just when you thought everything was perfect, just when you thought this relationship was amazing, just when you thought that person was from you and all of a sudden you realized that you are no longer their primary focus. Do you remember that? It hurts. It wounds you. The jealousy that comes up in your heart. And you many times we would try harder to show the affection, to try to turn the person's attention back to you. But ultimately that person would be uh, enamored by the other's beauty or the uh, whatever the success they may have had or where they came from. And, and it would destroy you and jealousy would take over and brokenness would fill you full. Listen to the, what the words say in the Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 6 to 7. Listen to what it says. Set me as a seal upon thy heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for the love for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. This Folks, what's the Solomon saying here in the Song of Solomon is this. Listen, love is so powerful. It's so powerful. And when you are de- and you are so in love with somebody, the jealousy, when it comes in, it's so cruel. It's like hot coals that burn with fire inside your heart. It destroys. It can consume. It can be dangerous at times. There are those who, who can't handle jealousy and end up doing terrible, terrible crimes. And, and we can never let jealousy ever remove someone's freedom, no matter how jealous this. And, and I was always kind of brought up to think that jealousy was wrong. It was no good. And, and, and if it's acted upon in a violent or negative way, then yes, it is. Uh, it is can be a bad thing. But I realized that not all jealousy is bad because God himself is jealous. In the very Ten Commandments, listen to what the Lord says. Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 7, you shall have no other gods before me. That doesn't just mean ahead of God. That actually means before his face. So living in idolatry, doing things in front of him that shows he's false. He doesn't want them before his face. God doesn't want to see that. You shall, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And I think it's in, uh, and, uh, Deuter- or excuse me, in Exodus in the 10 commandments it also talks about the sins of the father, uh, but the parents, yes, into the third and fourth generation folks, this is serious. God does not, he is jealous 
And, and in Deuteronomy 6, 14 and 15, it says, you shall not go after other gods uh, of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. What God is saying is, I want you for me and me alone and nobody else. And God loves you so much that when he sees you a whoring or going after other gods, he becomes jealous. He doesn't want you to go after somebody. He loves you so much. He desires to be with you in such a, a, an amazing way that God himself is jealous because he designed, created, and made you to be with him. But because God allows you to have freedom of choice, he doesn't force you to worship him, but he is jealous. From the very beginning of God's creation on this earth, he set this place up from the beginning to be everything we needed to live in total harmony with God. He created this earth to be perfection, paradise, so that he could dwell with us in absolute peace. But since the very fall of man, we have done everything we could in our power to destroy everything that God set about to be good for us. We have done our very best to destroy. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 22 and 23, says this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things, meaning we have have tried to ruin the very creation of God. That which he created in the beginning, we have tried to corrupt the creation. And you see today that the creation of God is acting in such foolish manners and is trying to tra to change what God has created. No, men cannot have babies. That's not the way God created us, but they're trying to tell us today that that's the true way that you can identify. You can ruin the creation of God. That's what we're doing today. And I'm telling you, God is jealous and he's angry. Now, don't you don't, listen? I'm telling you, he said it back there. Lest the anger of thy Lord be kindled against thee. Now, the interesting thing is, a side note, it talks about the Bible so past the sins of the father or the ch the families onto the, the parents and the third and fourth generation under their children of those who hate me. That was something I experienced in my own family. My father, my grandfather, Frank Sr., didn't raise my father. Okay, he left my dad. My grandma had five children. My dad was the oldest. He was seven years old. He was an oil man in Texas. He had they had good money. Everything was going fine. And one day my grandfather decided, I'm just not going to come home. And my parent grandmother, uh, she went from having a good life to all of a sudden they were eating nothing but beans and they were barely surviving and making it because my grandfather thought in his life that he was going to do whatever he wanted to do. And it was so crazy. I remember we were at his funeral. I had gotten to know him a little bit before he died. He turned his life around. I was excited about that. But I remember them talking about the shootouts he had been in. It was like, it sounded like the wild west down in Texas. It was so crazy and insane because all he cared about was himself, but he did not raise my father. My father 
Got divorced from my mother when I was in kindergarten. He didn't raise me. My dad took a lot of the same path that his father took, and yet my dad got his life turned around. Then my father that didn't raise me, I ended up doing the same exact thing that my dad had done. And so you can see the neither one raised the other, and we all took the same exact path. Me, I was probably the worst of all of them. And, and I was I was so entrenched, but the exact same things. How does that happen? It's through generational curses. But here's what happened. My dad, by some advice from my aunt, who started reading that verse and understanding the generational curses, and then reading in the book of Job how she how Job would make sacrifices for his children just in case they did something. My aunt began to share some things with my father. My father got together with some other family members, and and uh, they began to pray and repent with other parents for the sins that they had passed down to their own children. And here I was holding my brand new youngest daughter. She was first newborn. You know, this was back in 1999. And my father had been praying and repenting for the sins that were passed down. And in March of 1999, God broke the generational curse on our family. One day I left in 1999, one morning in March, strung out on crystal meth. And I came home born again outside of a church while driving down the road. I met Jesus for the first time in my life. That's the power of what repentance can do. And God can break the generational curses. So I don't care if you're looking and saying, I'm stuck in a generational curse. Listen, I'm sorry for that. I don't care if you see it passed down on children, you can make a difference through prayer to God and ask him to break these curses. And just because you don't see it one night and happen the next morning, don't give up. My dad didn't give up praying. And when I got converted that day, when the Lord, I, I met Jesus in my van, I had never knew anything about hearing the very voice of God or anything like that. God spoke so powerfully. I don't know. It, I still don't know if I heard it audibly or in my spirit. I don't know. But I knew God said, I have have answered your father's prayers. And I remember calling my dad. I was in tears. I was weeping. And I was like, dad, today I gave my life to Jesus. And we were both crying uncontrollably. And I said to my dad, I said, dad, it's like God told me I have answered your father's prayers. And he said, son, we have been repenting for the sins that we passed down. And God broke the generational curse on my family. And now I have had the pleasure of both of my daughters taking them into the waters of baptism and seeing them give their lives to Jesus. Don't give me excuse that God can't save anymore. And even though I had done everything that I had just read, then here the sins and all these things that I had done wrong in trying to change the creation of God into something evil, God never gave up. The Bible said that Judah in 1 Kings chapter 14 did evil in the sight of the Lord and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they had committed above all their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and images and groves on every hill, high hill and under every green tree. And there were also sodomites in the land and did according to all the abominations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And that's the exact same thing today. Our cell phones, our technology 
technology, everything, this idolatry that we are currently living in in this country and the things that we are doing. And now with the sodomy and everything you see, the homosexuality that's going on in this world. And God says, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. You are provoking me to anger. You've done worse than your fathers have done. God is demanding that we serve him the way he designed us to serve him. I look at all that's gone on in the past and I look at everything that's going on now and I wonder why would God, actually I should say it like this, even better, how can God even tolerate these people, even me, How can he show even one ounce of mercy to such disrespectful people? And here we are in the very end of times, and we're commanded to warn the people and to preach the gospel. And and most of the people just sit idle and do nothing. And many, this is the one that blows my mind, and many that claim to be awake have done nothing to share the good news that Jesus is coming again. Many of them are on their own self-righteous, high-minded anger tours because they're so indignant about how they've been treated in a church and they've got so much hostility that they can't even take five minutes to share the good news that Jesus is coming again. Forgetting of the very mercies that God had showed them, they are unwilling to show now, but they're awake they're awake. Don't tell me you're awake if you're not willing to share the good news. I don't want to hear it because it's a lie. It's not true. You are not awake if you don't want to share the good news of the gospel that someone else can hear the life-saving message that Jesus is coming again and he he has died and can save you from your sins. Don't tell me you're awake if you're unwilling to share that because of your self-righteous, high-minded anger. We have been hypocrites, all of us, including me. But here's the good news. This is where I want to get to, because this is the end times. What happens when this jealous God, this righteous judge, this holy one, who will, let me be clear, who will not at all acquit the wicked, what happens when he hears the cry of one of his sheep, one of his children, who he waited for a lifetime for them to circle the yes. Remember on that love letter? The love letter he sent from heaven? The one that says, will you love me because I first loved you? What is this jealous God's response when that desperate cry comes forth to his throne from the very belly of brokenness and hurt and fear? When one of his sheep lift up their voice to cry out to the creator of the universe. I want to close with Psalm chapter 18. It's a Psalm of David. David, the man who has ruined everything in life. David, the man who's broken all the commands, right? Who messed up, who tried to, he tried to justify what he had done when he had Bathsheba's husband killed. He tried to act self-righteous when Nathan came to him and started to share the story of what had happened. 
when the truth was he was guilty and he knew it. And God loved him because when he was called out, he repented and he came back and God washed it away. Listen to what happens when one of his children cry out Psalm chapter 18, starting in verse one. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now, he's beginning to set a stage of what's going on right now. The sorrows of death compass me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid folks the sorrows of death are compassing the remnant today ungodly men have made many afraid let's not lie let's not pretend like we we're so pure i love those people i'll never fear anything listen folks if you say you've never been afraid i don't believe you courage is not that you're never you've never been afraid it's that you do it anyways We've all been afraid. That's why we need ca- perfect love because perfect love is the only thing that casts out all fear. David is surrounded by his enemies. Folks, many are surrounded. The devil's been telling you all all these time, you are so gone. You're so far lost. You're so out of it. You've messed up so many times. God doesn't love you anymore. Folks, the enemies of God are whispering in your ear right now, telling many out there, you're worth nothing. And you're in the same position as David. Except of it necessarily being someone physically you can see, the devil is there as your enemy, and he is compassing about many right now. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's something else that's going on. Verse 5, he says, The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. He could hardly move because of what was going on. In my distress, listen carefully. I called upon the Lord and cried out unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before his, excuse me, my cry came before him, even into his ears. And David is saying that in the middle of this, he broke and he cried in his distress. From the bottom of his very heart, he cried out to God. And when he cried out, it came before his throne. Sometimes, folks, the Lord has to allow us to get into such a position in life before we can finally cry out from the very bottom of our heart. I remember this story of a pastor years ago was sharing how he desperately wanted to hear from the Lord. And he he took this vacation during the middle of the winter. Some of his church members went let him go to this cabin in the middle of maybe Lake Tahoe or somewhere. It was freezing cold, snow all over the place. And he just wanted to hear from God so bad. And he would pray, Lord, I want to hear from you. He was seeking the face of God. And, and he got a little bit of a cold and he decided he was going to try to get in the shower and do some, maybe some hot and some cold like that. Well, he turned on the shower initially and he jumped in and he said the ice of that cold water hit him so hard that it took his breath away and he couldn't hardly breathe. And at that very moment, God broke through and said, when you want me as bad as you want your next breath, you can have me. God was trying to tell that pastor, you need to come to a place where you can cry from the very bottom of your heart. 
You see, sometimes we get so caught up in the world. Sometimes we get so distracted. Sometimes we get so off the the beaten path that we don't even understand how very lost we are. But at that moment, you realize and you're tired of hearing the devil's lies. You're, You're done with that. And you're willing to lay it all down and cry out before a holy God. The Bible says your prayers will make it. They will make the very throne of God. Listen to what happened. When David cried from the very depths of hell, from a broken place and fear even in his heart, fear that crippled him from almost moving forward. Listen to what the word of God says. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundation also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of the mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he flew upon fly upon the wings of the wind he made darkness his secret place his pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of skies and brightness that was before him his thick clouds passed hailstones coals of fire the lord also thundered in the heavens and the highest gave his voice hailstones and coals of fire yea he sent out his arrows and scattered them he shot out lightnings and he discomforted them then the channels of the water were seen in the foundations of the world were to Discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. God said, when he heard that cry, he, the Lord saddled up a cherub and he brought the heavens down to save his servant David. Folks, I'm telling you right now, when your God hears his children cry, when his begins to smoke, when the Bible said that smoke came from your heavenly father's nostrils, he was so angry. When God begins to smoke, folks, I'm telling you, all hell starts to run. When that cry comes forth, when the enemy has stepped over his boundaries, when Satan has gone too far, when he has crossed the line with one of his precious loved ones, it doesn't matter if he sends the entire Russian army to your house. My God can saddle one cherub and bring the entire heavens down if it's needed. This is a jealous God that you serve, beloved. One who loves you so powerfully that he endured the very hordes of Satan, the the armies of the devil on Calvary's cross so you could live a life in confidence knowing that his great love will endure the very tests of time. So many of us are struggling right now today to get out of the terrible situations, to, to find our way again, to, to bridge that gap of feeling separated in our hearts at times from the love of God, desiring to know God, but sometimes we feel so bound up by the cares and the stress of this world. And if you only understood that there was a cherub waiting to be saddled in heaven at this moment, waiting for the call of duty, if you only could see the 10,000 angels waiting for their marching orders. If you could just remember those words when he said, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Brothers and sisters, you have the God of the universe fighting for you, ready to overpower the enemies. He's ready to conquer those who would th- to try to would ruin you. God is waiting to save you when he hears the cry of his children. Beloved, cry out. Cry out to your God as David did. 
Send your deepest issues in your heart up to his throne. He wants to be your knight in shining armor. When you are at the point that you are in one of those God situations, you know one of the situations that I'm talking about, one where only God can rescue you. These are the times when your God will do his greatest works. How God will rescue you, I don't know. It's okay. Let him do his will. We can look back at our lives and we know that our greatest times of growth have happened in the darkest of hours, in our worst trials. Because it's those minutes so often, those times when God can finally get to the bottom of our hearts and he reminds us that he still loves us. You're not too far gone to be saved. You're not too far lost that the mighty right arm of salvation cannot touch you. Cry out, beloved. Your God is waiting to rescue you. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, some